Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's a joy and honor and a privilege to be able to gather together in the name of Jesus and study your word. And so, Father, as we do, give us ears that are anointed to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. Change us by what we hear. Conform us to the very image of Jesus. Transform our lives by the renewing of our mind. That we, dear Father God, may become the people that Jesus sacrificed his life for us to become. As he said in the word, follow me and I will make you. Hallelujah. Fishers of men. And so Father we thank you for this anointing and we receive it now. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim in the unction of the Spirit the word and demonstration and power that our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men but the resurrected Christ and the living God. And as always Father we will give you all the praise, the honor and the glory that you deserve for all the things we learn, all the things we do and all that we achieve. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Last week, we did some study on the uh, prayers of the Apostle Paul when he prayed for the church at Ephesus, and we learned some valuable lessons. You learned about what to pray, you learned about how to pray, and all that. And actually, some of the things were beyond our comprehension. Part of his prayer was that we would all be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you imagine if that prayer was ever answered in all of our lives? Can you imagine you being filled with all the fullness of God? And when people squeeze you, God comes out. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Amen. Someone comes up and pinches you and just God just comes out. Because you're so full of God. So full of love. (laughs) Nothing but God oozes out of your being. Because you're so filled with God. Of course, if you are, then he's able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to his power that's efficiently operative and active within our lives. Well, what a, what a blessing. But that was part of his prayer. Now, as we continue on our study, we're going to study Paul and Silas when they prayed. And if we have time, we're going to look at Jehoshaphat and when he prayed. Why? Because we can learn from their prayers. We can learn some valuable principles and insights when it comes to praying in our situations. Now these two situations are very critical. They're catastrophic. I mean these two situations involve people that are really in life-threatening situations. And I think it would be good to know how to pray if you're challenged like that in life, wouldn't you? Absolutely essential. So what we're going to do is we're going to do that. Look at Acts chapter 16 beginning at verse 19. We're going to read some verses here and then we're expound upon these verses. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, and that was after Paul cast the devil out of this woman, the spirit of divination, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Yeah, they got the devil mad. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So really they were falsely accused. And the multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them 
they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stalks and at midnight everybody say midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly boy I love suddenly don't you love suddenly suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed that's pretty good wouldn't you say I've seen people shake but he's talking about shaking buildings when the Holy Ghost fell when the power of God fell so what we're going to do talk about some of these things that took place here so we can better understand how they prayed and then how we can pray when we face difficult situations in life first of all these two were in the will of God they were minding their own business following God's plan doing what God told them to do Paul was anointed by God as an apostle told what to what to do where to go etc to represent him and this woman that had a spirit of divination was following and crying out some crazy things and you know pretending to be like she was a supporter but Paul after a few days found out and knew in his heart that this woman was demon possessed so he cast out the spirit the spirit came out and apparently that she was being used by these rulers for gain to gain some money through her divination well when they found out the devil was gone and she couldn't do anything for them now they got irritated and upset because of course money talks so they went and found Paul and Silas and as it says grabbed a hold of them threw them into the inner prison and to be honest with you the accommodations were not like any hotel you've been at at all we're talking about the inner prison being falsely accused the accommodations being horrific and in these inner prison this inner prison they're chained and of course they're in that inner prison the darkest place where no one cares for it who knows all the waste that's in that place but there they are and by the way they striped them with many stripes so they stripped them striped them and threw them in a place bacteria infested place and that's where they were now Jesus if you recall warned Paul he said there'd be days like these look at Acts chapter 9 didn't he say there'd be days like these Paul Mm -hmm. look at Acts chapter 9 but the Lord said unto him go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me speaking to Paul to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake aren't you glad that your name wasn't in that but Paul was told by Jesus there will be certain things you're going to have to suffer for my name's sake but you know what I believe with all my heart that Jesus also taught him how to overcome the situations that he would encounter in other words you're going to go and you're going to take my name and you're going to present my name before kings you're going to minister to people that are going to become irate stir up trouble and possibly whip you beat you just like we saw here well there are certain things you're going to have to do in order to get yourself out of that trouble and I'm sure he shared with them what to do I know he had to because nobody in that predicament that they're in prays and then sings it's hard to get people to sing in church 
in a nice comfortable environment. Right? They're beaten. They're whipped. They're hurting. They're bound. Oh my goodness, they're in an awful place. It's a terrible place. And what are they doing? Singing. But first they prayed. And then they sang. Wow. Wonder where they learned that. The place, which was a prison, was turned into a house of prayer and then transformed into a house of praise. All the prisoners heard them. So now this prison house is a praise house. And I guess you would say that these radical, fanatical Christians, believers in this inner prison, man, they just stirring up a song. Singing a song. Go figure. Bleeding. Whipped. Humiliated. Chained. Singing. I wonder what that song sounded like. I can only imagine what they must have been singing. But it had to be a good, good song. Probably something like, Jesus, you said there'd be days like this. (laughs) So come and rescue me. (laughs) I don't know what the song was. But if anyone possibly had the right to sing gloom, despair, and agony on me, It had to be Paul and Silas, right? Imagine that. What would you be singing? What would your song be? Would it be, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? I thought if I became a Christian, I'd be exempt from all this. I wouldn't have to face these kinds of difficulties and challenges. I thought this life would be a bed of roses, a bed of ease. And we just all go together until we meet Jesus in the air have a wonderful time on earth without any challenges no Jesus said in the world you're going to have tribulations but be of good cheer I've overcome the world be of good cheer because I've overcome the world so I know that Paul had to be taught by Jesus some things that he needed to do in case he found himself in a difficult place so what happens by prayer you could say he brought his problem to God And I could just hear him saying, now I know you showed me some things I have to suffer for your namesake. And Lord, I was here, cast the devil out that woman. I've been talking about you preaching, sharing with other people the gospel. Some have been listening, some are coming in. As a matter of fact, a good work was taking place. Then of course, I'm sure the devil stirred this thing up, cast out the the devil from that woman. And now here I am and here we are, we're in this prison. We've been beaten. And you know as well as I do, Lord, that we're probably facing beheading in the, mo- in the morning. You realize that what they did to them was wrong. Falsely accused. And here they are, arrested. And there they are in these accommodations. You see, it's not like we think today. You go to your little jail cell. You've got your VCR with your TV up there. And you know, you've got all the accommodations that you need in this nice little place. And you got an exercise room outside somewhere where you can get some exercise in. It wasn't like that. You're in that place, in that dark dungeon, that nobody's ever cleaned where human waste is. You're in that awful, horrific place, a terrible place to be in. And here they are. They're bringing their situation to God. And I'm sure they probably said something like this too. 
you realize this means our heads in the morning. Look, we see it now on TV. We see the beheadings. I just read again this morning, I think it was, six people got boiled or burned. When you're around people that have no regard for human life, they're not concerned about what they do to you. You know the story where it's, we say that it's maybe tradition where Paul was, I mean, John was possibly boiled in oil. They try to boil him in oil. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that at all. That's exactly something that would be done by these people. Had no regard for life whatsoever. Just get rid of them. That's all there is to it. So I'm sure they're just saying something like, now Lord, you know that we're facing death in the morning. But you know what, Lord? You told me and taught me what to do in this hour of my need. It was called the what hour? The midnight hour. And so, I'm not even going to think about it. All I'm going to do is praise you, praise God, just praise you for the victory. Because you told me to preach, I'm preaching. You told me to cast out devils, I cast them out. You told me I'd I'd probably be persecuted and put in prison, and I am. But I'm leaving it in your hands. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to have any anxiety over the situation. Whatever my case might be, all I'm going to say is this. I'm going to praise you. Praise God. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to magnify. I'm going to sing unto you. Hallelujah. The praises so I can have victory. That's how faith works. You, You give your problem to God in prayer. This is the situation, Lord. But then after you give it to him, What do you do? You start praising him for the victory. Praise him for your deliverance. Praise him for your healing. Praise him for your wholeness. Praise him for the miracle. Praise him for the job. Praise him for whatever. You need to praise him for and keep on praising him for that because what does he do? Inhabits what? The praises of his people. So as you put some of these things together what you discover is this. You've got them doing the will of God and then you've got the enemy coming in to to stop them from doing the will of God and try to discourage them from doing the will of God and to snuff them out, take their lives and all that. But you got these men of God, rather than complaining and murmuring, probably rejoicing, we suffer shame for your name's sake. And we know that you're God, you're almighty God, and we know that you've got power, etc., etc. And so we're just gonna praise you and praise you and praise you and bless you and bless you. And all the prisoners heard their praises in that prison of praise. I want you to look in the Bible in Exodus chapter 12. And I'm going to make a point. How we come out of a situation depends on how we go into a situation. And how we go into a situation will determine how we come out of the situation. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Came to pass it at midnight. Everybody say at midnight. Notice something else happened at midnight. At midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne, his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. What happened at midnight? Judgment fell, right? Judgment fell. But did judgment fall upon the Israelites firstborn? Why not? Because you see, they went into it. How did they go into that situation? Prepared. How were they prepared? They had to kill a sacrificial lamb and take its blood and apply it to the doorpost and lintel of their house. So they were aware of it. They were warned of it. Now Pharaoh and his group, they were warned nine times. But on his tenth time, you know, they still wouldn't heed. They wouldn't listen. You're going to regret it, Moses said. They wouldn't listen. Okay? So here's what happened. They knew trouble was going to come at some point. 
And they were told this. So either you're going to be prepared for the midnight hour or not. So they had their choice to make. So what would have happened if they would have eaten part of the sacrificial lamb but did not take a hyssop branch and apply it to the doorpost and lintel of the house? What would have happened? Their firstborn would have died along with the Egyptians, right? So whose responsibility was it to do their part? The people. They had to do that. If they didn't do that, they lost their firstborn. Okay. So they entered into the situation how? Prepared. And how did they come out of the situation? Protected. Right? The life of their firstborn was spared. See, if they just listened and did it God's way, the outcome is wonderful. But then also, uh, there's another, ver- another scripture here I want you to see. And in Psalm 119, in verse 62, sometimes we don't catch all these. You read through them and just kind of read over them. Everybody say again, at midnight. At midnight, see, I will rise to give thee thanks or to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. What are you doing at midnight? Prayerfully sleeping. Studying. Whatever. What's he saying here? It was his practice in times of peace at midnight to praise and thank God for his righteous judgments. Can you imagine if day in and day out, in times of peace, day in and day out, at midnight, all they do is practice thanking God for his righteous judgments. For example, I want to thank you for saving me by your grace. I want to thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost and power. Oh, Father, it's midnight. I just want to say to you, you are my God. And I love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. Jesus, I want to thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary. I want to praise you that I'm a redeemed man, delivered man, healed man, set free man, born again man, Holy Ghost filled man. I want to thank you that your spirit reigns in my heart. And just thanking him. In other words, you're practicing something. Before, let's say, our soldiers go off to war, they go through boot camp, they go through all kind of drills, don't they? Why do they go through these drills? To be prepared for battle. And I mean, they have some crazy drills, don't they? Climbing up this, coming down that, in the water with their guns, etc. I also heard, I don't know how true it is, but I've read, I've seen it on a video, like a YouTube video, where they had to practice assembling, disassembling and assembling their gun, their rifle, blindfolded. You can see them do it. You can watch them do it. And the reason for that is so that if they were ever in a situation where it was dark and they couldn't see, and they had to assemble their gun, they could do it without even seeing. Now, they don't do that during time of war. They do it when? Times of peace. So during times of peace, that's what they're doing. You know how easy it is during times of peace to neglect thanking God at midnight or to ignore the goodness of God and just take every day for granted because there's peace. But if you were living in other foreign lands where you know, some churches are underground and all that, you might consider 
thanking God every day for your protection and safety. So the point is this. If we during times of peace at the midnight hour of peace will practice praying and praising God then when the time comes that we face the midnight hour of war or battle or challenges we're well equipped we've got the confidence do you, do you see the point mm -hmm. and so you can say that Paul who said I have learned whatever circumstance I'm in to be independent of the circumstance I've learned that who taught him all that he knew Jesus who taught him what to do Jesus so I can only believe that when he and Silas prayed first and then praised that Jesus taught him what to do. Did he not say my grace is sufficient for you? And no, no matter what you encounter in this life, my grace is sufficient for you? Not to just get through it, but to overcome it. Didn't Paul himself say many are the afflictions of the righteous and, he, and those that will be, walk righteous before God will suffer persecution? But be of good cheer, out of, out of them all, the Lord delivered me out of them all. He set me free from every one of them. And so, so if we were to practice, in other words, what? Prayer and praise during times of peace. When we're not in a warfare. When we're not challenged by our enemy. Then when the time comes, just like Paul and Silas. Because this is hard to imagine. These, these apostles, these disciples, Paul and Silas and well as others. They would count it a joy and an honor to suffer shame for the name of the Lord. They'd get whipped and beaten, just go away shouting, hallelujah, glory to God, I just got whipped for Jesus. What would we do? How would we act and respond? I can't believe this. I've been serving the Lord for four hours. And look at this. Is this what I get? A challenge? Well, Jesus said we're going to be challenged. Jesus said we're going to face difficulties. But he gave us his word to help us better understand how we can overcome. And so we, we can learn from this, Paul and Silas. If we're going to murmur and complain, even in the heart of the situation, right in the middle of the situation, we're probably not going to get a whole lot of help that we need from God. But if we will say, okay, Lord, my back might hurt. It may look bad. They might be preparing the guillotine for me in the morning. Don't know what's going on as far as I'm concerned. My eyes are off of what they're going to do. My eyes are off my back, off my hurt, off my pain, off this, off whatever I see. My eyes are on you. You are my strength. You're my high tower. You're my refuge. You're my help. You're my deliverer. You're my everything. My eyes are on you. And guess what? I'm going to praise you like the old timers used to say until the glory comes down. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to bless you for my deliverance, from, for my victory. We learn that from this particular example. And the Bible says that the earthquakes and everyone's bands were loosed. And someone once said they sang such a nice song. Such a nice rhythm that they had going. That God got into it and tapped his foot. Because heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. So he was just tapping along to the music. Just loving it. And boom, the earth began to quake. Everyone's bands were loosed. <laughs> they were all delivered and set free. Right? Amen. So we got to remember, pray and praise. It goes together. Why? So that we could tap into the resources that God has provided for us when he inhabits our praises 
And you know what? Contending with God is not anything anyone should want to do. So the enemy was defeated. But now, let's move on. Look at Jehoshaphat's prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. Here's the story. And these kind of dovetail, they go hand in hand. They're like, you can say, companion uh, examples. Jehoshaphat feared. Well, first of all, let's set it up. Three enemies were coming against them. Three armies were coming against them. Now, instead of using their names, I used the devil, the world, and the flesh come against us. These three armies are coming to do what? Destroy the people of God. So Jehoshaphat feared. You know, fear can drive you to your knees to pray. Mm-hmm. It did, you'll see in a moment. He feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered together uh, themselves together to ask help of the Lord even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, here's his prayer. What would you do with three armies coming against you? And you know they're coming and they're not coming for tea. Or hot chocolate. No. They're coming to wipe you out as a people. Completely. Okay. So he says, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand... Is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary uh, therein for thy name saying if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then thou wilt hear and help and now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and destroyed them not behold I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given to us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Have you ever been there? But our eyes are upon you. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Okay. That's the prayer. In your notes there, you can look at, follow through this. First of all, you have the scene. And where are they at? They're in Jerusalem. They're on Mount Moriah, in the new court. Probably a refurbished and rebuilt the outer court. They're in the outer court. You have the outer court, you've got the inner court, and you've got the most holy. So you've got the outer, you've got the holy, and the most holy. And they're in the outer court. And really, let's face it, Without divine intervention, they're all dead. They're wiped out. You got these three armies coming, the devil, the world, the flesh. 
Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the devil, the world, and the flesh as you live your life here on the earth? So we got, they've got these three armies. That's the scene, and there they are, and they're in Jerusalem, and they're in the, this outer court, and they're making an appeal to the living God. Secondly, the assembly. You've got the king. You've got the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Israel, Judah. They're all there. You've got their wives and their children. What a scene that must have been with all the little ones. Just everyone. All their lives are hanging in a balance. There they are right there in that place. Assembled together. They have fasted and they're praying and waiting on God. Then you've got the prayer. The prayer is to who? Jehovah. Jehovah the covenant keeping God. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. And he's emphasizing that because he's reminding him that he is the God who's promised certain things that have to be fulfilled. So in other words, we're calling upon you to be a God of integrity and faithfulness. And that's why he is saying, you're the God of our fathers, ancestry here. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you made a promise there's no way that they can succeed in killing us and destroying us and wiping us out because you've got a plan that has to be fulfilled. Verse 6, look at that verse 6 again. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? Now he begins to brag. You're the God of heaven. You're the God of of earth you rule the heavens you are the most high all powerful almighty God and our eyes are upon you uh, he, he talks about his pervasive power how far reaching his power is there isn't a power now you have to remember he's a king and where the word of the king is there's what power there's authority and he's speaking and he says I recognize the fact that your power transcends all powers. And even though all these three armies are coming against us, and we have no might, we have no power, we're calling upon you. Look at this in verse 7, because this is so key. Look at verse 7. Art not thou our God? You're my God. You're my God. Sometimes I think that escapes us. Is he your God? Is he your God? Oh, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who raised him from the dead, the God that made heaven, earth, and sea, and all that in them is, the God whose power and might transcends all other powers and, and forces, is he your God? Didn't Isaiah 41 10 say, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And so he's calling out, Jehoshaphat's calling out, I know you are our God. Oh, some trust in chariots, and some trust in horses, some trust in intelligence, some trust in the arm of the flesh. 
But he's saying our trust is in you. You are our God. And that means you are everything that God is to be to his people. And so, look at the certain facts we listed for you. You defeated our enemies and gave us the land. Look at verses 7 and 8 together. Are not thou our God who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed, to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name saying, look at that. They built them a place of dwelling. See once again a lot of this escapes it because we didn't live back in that time. But you go out in the narthex there and you look at that picture over there where you can see the tabernacle and you can see the outer court you can see where the most holy and the most holy places are. And you can see the fire of God coming down from heaven to the most holy place. They lived in that place near the presence of Almighty God. And on times, at times, they would see the Shekinah glory. And the glory of God would fall. Amazing. We built you this place for you to inhabit. So we're looking to you. We're calling upon you. You are our God. We're looking for your divine intervention is what he's saying. Look at the next. The promise you made us to hear and to help us. If when evil comes upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Can any of us say that tonight? Oh, beloved. Yeah, they had God dwelling with them. They did. And God was for them. Yes, he was. But God was not in them. Like he is in us. And so when he's calling out and crying out to God, yes, God is right there. He's reminding him of his promise. He's reminding him that he has a covenant relationship with their ancestors and that they're looking to him to make good on the contract. So, you made a promise to help us. And so now we're calling upon you. Look at this, verses 10 and 11, the ingratitude of the enemy. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade. So God told them not to do it. When they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. They let them live. Behold, I say, how they reward us. To come to cast us out of your, inher- your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Now, now think about that. Look at this. Here you come to destroy us after we refuse to destroy you, and that by the direction of God. Okay? So here we are. Here's the challenge. They have no grateful spirit about them. They forgot that we could have wiped them off the planet, but didn't. And now they come to reward us by trying to take our lives. Verse 12, powerful. Powerful. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are on you. Oh, what a, 
What a prayer. Lord, look, the enemy wants to stop me from experiencing my inheritance. He's trying to take away from me the things that Jesus purchased with his precious blood. You know what, Lord? My eyes are on you. They were saying we're helpless when it comes to these three armies. There's not a way that we possibly can overcome what's coming against us. The attitude in which they stood was this. We are not trusting in ourselves. We are not trusting in our military forces. We're not trusting in our leadership. We're not trusting in all the people that we have, no matter how skilled we might be in warfare. We are trusting in you. We are setting ourselves with our gaze upon you with tremendous expectancy desiring to hear from you direction so we know what to do in this situation and oh how powerful is that for us all to know Lord what should I do in this situation this is key to being prepared and having faith look at the instruction look at verses 14 through 17 then upon Jehaziel the son of Zechariah the son of Benaiah the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Apparently God knew they were all there. Called them all out, didn't he? Thus saith the Lord unto you. Oh, hallelujah. Whenever you hear a thus saith the Lord unto you, that's the beginning of your foundation for faith. Thus saith the Lord unto you. Okay, what are you going to say? First thing, be not afraid. Nor dismayed. Don't fear. And don't have discouragement. Don't become frustrated. Honestly, can you see Paul and Silas in prison? And a little temptation to be frustrated? Discouraged? You might think so, right? Would you be? Okay, so the Lord to the prophet through prophecy says or utterance says be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. That's the, part of their instruction. For this battle is not yours but God's. Oh hallelujah. Did you hear that? This battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruah. You shall not need, you shall not need, you shall not need to fight in this battle. I like that kind of a battle. Set yourselves, stand still, and see. Part of the instructions. You don't need to fight. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. He repeats it. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Hallelujah. That is the foundation for faith to believe. See, that's really the instruction comes based on their prayer. Now when we find ourselves in difficult situations, sometimes we try to remedy that situation ourselves and maybe not being as focused as these people were to go to God with their wives, with their children, stand before his presence and say, this is how it is. 
Well, isn't that doubt and unbelief when you said we are no man? No, that's humility. It's humility by saying, we can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in our own power. You know, there's some things we just can't do. You and I cannot do. You and I can't overcome. There's a lot of things you and I can't do. You and I can't overcome in ourselves. But praise God, whoever said we're by ourselves. The Lord our God is with us and in us and for us, praise God. And so look at the response in verse 18. The response. And Jehoshaphat the king bowed his head with his face to the ground. He humbled himself before the presence of God with reverence, submission, and adoration. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And look, they're on the ground worshiping and they're bowing in adoration and praise before God. And then the Levites, the Levites also praised loudly before the Lord. They shouted praises unto God. Now wait a minute for the likes of it. Hold on just for a moment. Nothing has changed. The armies are still pursuing. They're getting closer as we speak. You could probably hear, hear their hoofs of their horses and they're coming closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. They go from, well, we're afraid. We don't know what to do. We're no match against these people. So let's talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. God says, hey, don't be concerned about it because I'm going to fight for you. Whoo, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. They get on their faces. They start shouting. They start praising and worshiping God. Sounds like they were Pentecostals to me. Whoo, glory be to God. Wait a minute. Nothing has changed. Nothing has happened. What are they doing? They're shouting. They're worshiping loudly. They're praising God. Before they see anything happen, before they see any enemy defeated, they're praising God as if, he heard them and he knew he had the petition he desired. Hmm. Look at verse 20. The outcome. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established and so believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Three armies are coming against them. They're sending out the choir. I wonder if they had the robes clean before they sent them out. Oh yeah, that sounds really logical. They're sending out the choir. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and say before the army before the army the militia the choir is going before the army and say praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever ah uh, Patton, what's your strategy? Send out the praisers and have them say, praise the Lord. You got that, General Patton? Okay. Wow. That's the strategy. That's the strategy. Okay. Clue me in. We got three armies. They're coming to tear us apart. Your strategy is send out the choir. 
before the army and have them sing Kumbaya. But listen, and when they began to sing and to praise like Paul and Silas, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the, the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked into the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies. There, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away and they were three days in gathering the spoil it was so much they didn't trust in banking institutions back then they carried their jewelry with them can you imagine that scene three days to gather all the spoils all the jewelry the gold and whatever silver whatever they had three days but what's the point here? What's, what, what took place here? All they did was sing praises. You want to know why praise and worship is so important? Faith is taken through prayer. You take your situation to God through praise. You bring your God into your situation. And when God manifested his presence among all those people, they were confused. They were confounded. The devil's crazy and in, in, in the first place. And they started killing each other rather than, I kind of wonder if he did a little work on their eyes and they thought that they were killing the Jews. They were not killing the Jews. They were killing each other. And then finally they just realized that, you know, we, we, there's a Jew over here. No, let's open over there. No, they start killing each other. Then they, when they finally got there, they were all dead. Don't you love it when God fights for you? You don't have to fight for yourself. All you've got to do is fight the good fight of faith. Believe it strong enough to what? Praise him for the answer before you see it. But you've got to get the mind of God first. So, God brought confusion upon the enemy. God gave victory to Judah. All the spoils that they got, praise God, I'm sure provided a good living for them. So now notice, notice, look at under point B. Our greatest need is to believe the battle's been won and victory is already ours. Through Jesus Christ, God already gave us the victory, did he not? Amen. The battle is to believe that. Whatever you're facing right now, the battle is to believe you already got the victory. You're not going to get it, you already have it. In Jesus, he always causes us to triumph. If there's any scripture we should take, take that verse. He always causes me to triumph. I know what I'm going through, but he's causing me to triumph. Thank you for causing me to triumph. Thank you, Father, for causing me to triumph. In my situation, I thank you for causing me to triumph. But look at point C. The enemy's worst nightmare. The enemy's worst nightmare is have to face our God. Can you see that? He's got to face our God. So what's the, the moral to all this? What's the conclusion to all this? When we find ourselves in difficult situations at the midnight hour, first of all, let's enter into the midnight hour of praise and worship, prayer and praise, you could say, during times of peace so we could practice praying and praising on a daily, regular basis. We're so accustomed to doing it every single day, like you're taking your rifle apart every day and putting it back together every day while you're blindfolded. 
In time of peace, you take it apart, you put it back. You take it apart, you put it back. You take it apart, you put it back. Take it apart, you put it back. And all of a sudden now you need to do it in the dark. You can do it. So here we are every single day at midnight. I'm not talking to set your alarm at midnight and, and, or stay up to midnight. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you do that. But you take some time every single day to pray. Father, I just want to let you know something. I'm in a time of peace right now. And you know what? I just want to love you and bless you and thank you for who you are and what you've already done for me in Christ. Jesus, I just want to share my heart with you right now and thank you for dying upon Calvary's cross, shedding your blood for me and making me whole. I'm thanking you that I'm saved, healed, delivered, set free, filled with the Holy Ghost and power, serving you, walking with you, honoring you, fulfilling the, the purpose that you have for my life. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being my deliverer, my healer, and etc. I'm praising you in the times of peace. I'm thanking you during the times of peace. I'm praising you, praise God, during the time of peace. And then when the challenge comes, oh, glory be to God, we're prepared. We're prepared. We know what to do like Paul and Silas did. What did Paul and Silas do? They prayed and sang praises to God. And what did God do? Man, he caused an earthquake. Everyone's bands were loose. Everybody was delivered and set free. Salvation came their way. There is a verse in Psalm 118 verse 21. Psalm 118 verse 21. Can we pull that up? Psalm 118 verse 21. You might want to write that down because it's just a powerful, powerful verse of scripture for all of us really to memorize. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. I'm going to praise you because you heard me. You heard me when I said, aren't you God, our God? Aren't you the one that made a covenant with our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We could say, Father, aren't you our Father, our God? And don't we have a covenant with you through Jesus Christ and his shed blood? And in that covenant, are we told, don't forget one benefit who forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, crowns us, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You satisfy our mouth with good things. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that what covenant we have with you? Hallelujah. Didn't you send your word to heal us and deliver us from our destructions? I want you to know I'm going to be still and set myself to see the salvation of my God. So I will praise thee because I know you heard me and you've become my salvation. Hallelujah. And before you ever saw one thing happen, now you're praising him. Now you're in a place where you're praising and praising and praising and praising him for the answer. That's how faith and prayer work. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, 
wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.